Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Swift, the online cycling platform that makes training fun. Here with Benji for our first World Tour mountaintop finish of 2022 UAE Tour Stage 4. We've had two sprint stages, a 9K TT, and now an 18-kilometer TT because it's a pretty easy stage before Jebel Jais, 181Ks long the stage. 19k climb at five and a half percent rarely do you see big gaps on this climb because the riders arrive not fatigued draft is hugely important but they reverse the order of it this year it appears before Jabel Hafeet and I think that made a difference today but curiously Benji EF we're doing a lot of the pacing today honoring honoring Bissiger's jersey yeah, they did. Um, and uh, to be honest, they did so try the initial part of the stage and the initial part of the climb. But I do want to call one of you out that uh, was so kind to alert me for echelons this morning. I woke up, I was making <laughs> breakfast, I was uh, walking outside, I came back in, I got a, a message on my phone on Twitter, echelon alert, echelon alert. I, I panic and I go towards my PC, I put up the Dubai actual TV channel that's already broadcasting it early. And what is it? No echelons. So I checked back to the message. Someone just sent me a, a bunch of sheep that are splitting up and said it was an echelon. So thank you for that. All the panic I had in the morning. But back to the racing now. Evacuation first. Easy post. Whatever the name is this year. Um, yeah, they started pacing throughout the stage to control the breakaway. Breakaway was not going to do anything. Just uh, a few people up, up front. And it was kind of the breakaway that's always doomed. And towards the start of the climb, UAE started hammering it. I think Mikel Bjerg was the one that came to the front, I think, with roughly 14, 15k to go on the climb. We know it's not a, a crazy selective climb, so we could have expect people to just hammer it as a normal pace. But he looked like he was suffering. He looked like he was putting all the watts he had in his body out and was hammering it. And it actually did some damage. The group thinned out more when he was pacing in my eyes than when Bennett was pacing just after that, George Bennett. So... uh what do you think of the approach that UAE was trying to make the race relatively harder despite the climb not being selective from roughly 15k out? Well, I think they were concerned that when the last rider pulled off in front of Bissiger, Bissiger was like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm trying to keep this jersey on this climb. It can be as easy as we like. So EF weren't actually interested in making it as hard as possible. They were trying to control. And Marin Vandenberg did a pretty good job of that earlier. But yeah, Bjerg, I don't know. It's it's tough to say because most decent riders don't get dropped. I mean, non-sprinters in the first 15 minutes on 5% at this pace. And they weren't. Like, you see Rulers and Co. in this group. Bennett's pull's curious, Benji, because, yeah, Micah and Almeida are ahead of him in the hierarchy at UAE, at least in this race. And particularly Micah, they seem to think, is going really, really well. 
And you're right. It kind of reminded me of that Gagan Hart pool in the tour on maybe Arded End where yeah. people weren't dropping. And it almost looked like some were catching back up. And because he was left on the front for like four or five kilometers, where eight Ks to go, the group's like 40 deep. And yeah, then attacks started coming. Actually, Micah, I think, was the first yeah. really big attack. Were you surprised? Because Pagacha's quicker than Yates, quicker than Vlasov in a sprint. Why are they attacking with Micah? Yeah, it was also a questionable thing in my eyes. Like, I think they started noticing that Bennett's tempo wasn't exactly thinning out the herd. So they wanted to try something to try and make sure it splits up more behind so the tempo goes up, but not from them pacing at the front of the peloton. But a bit of a reverse lead out in the sense that they put someone in front, they attack with someone and force someone else to pace. But that doesn't work if Almeida starts pacing then, because at a certain point, Micah was in a front group where some people bridged up to, including the likes of Chris Harper, who had a great day today. And yeah, in back. that second group, who did we see there pacing for a bit? Almeida. So it was like, okay, like you're pacing in two groups now. Fortunately for them, they didn't do that too long. And eventually that group came back together. But like you say, it's an attack by uh by Micah, and perhaps it was not necessary because on paper we said it yesterday, the fastest people in that group should on paper be Almeida or Pogacar, depending on who they go for. And Pogaccio was likely going to be the one that had uh, the energy to do so at the end of a climbing stage, although we weren't expecting this to be very selective. And, like, attacking feels like they were more trying to do something for GC than necessarily just winning the stage. I wonder if it's just, uh, it's UAE Tour, Mike is in really good shape, let him have a chance. Yeah. And maybe that's part of it and we wouldn't see this at the tour i don't know but as you said like he got bridged to a couple of times by tarame who's holding that form with hit from uh oman the other week yeah. and then intermarche were like this is too slow and rain tarame absolutely shredded this group with like seven k's to go on a five percent climb unbelievable pull and i think problem for intermarche is it's not steep enough if this was on her feet, whew, they would have been reducing this group to five and seven riders. But it only went down to 10 or 11 hit, then attacked. Bagatia marked him. It's already Benji. He's marking moves with like 4Ks left in the climb. Almeida was really, really struggling, actually. And Vlasov gets into the group. Bilbao, Yates are there. Plaps there. No one paces. Berwick brings it back, and it's a group again. Were you surprised not to see, like, what did you expect at that stage? Two and a half Ks to go. Ghana's still there. Plap's still there. Yates still there. What's Ineos play at that point? I don't really know. I feel like they're not going to make the difference here, so they might as well try and go for a stage and therefore try and go and launch an attack like that. Sure, they could start pacing there and put some people behind and put that second group that is a bit behind them on a gap if Plab just continues spacing from that point onwards, but Yates is going to drop them again anyway on Jabal Hafid. Exactly. So what's the point of that? So I think what I would have given the choice to do is uh, see who has the energy to attack and perhaps Yates is the least likely to, to get away. So perhaps let try let Plab try some stuff. But on the other hand, on the other hand, you kind of want to say, what what if someone attacks in the next two and a half K and we have used Plap already with the attack, then we are having to use Yates to close down gaps and he might not have the energy to sprint at the end. So True. perhaps sitting up 
in the group, just doing nothing might also have been a choice. True. I think, yeah, you're right. There's a few things they could have done. Slow as possible, suits Ganner and Plap. And as you said, if, if Plap goes on the front and just paces and drops people, those people aren't a threat anyway if they're able to be dropped at this point. What if, like, Ganna's near that group and is coming back towards that group at that point? We know that he won't be there for fun. There's a reason he's trying to hold on. Like, if then Plap starts attacking at that point, it will also ruin any chances of Ganna to start following and try and keep his GC, you know? I don't think... I think the orders would have been Ganna rides to do his best possible to save as much mm-hmm. time as possible. Yeah. Plap and Yates do what they do ignoring Ganna's existence because you Ineos care about a stage <laughs> or Yates taking GC here, not Ganna wearing it for a day because he's going to lose loads of time on her feet. Berwick right. eventually bridges the whole group back together after Vlasov tried one little attack. Pagacha had attacked as well, closed by Yates. So that lead group of Pagacha, Vlasov, Bilbao, Yates brought back Berwick looking in good form. He also helped by one of the UA guys. Comes back together. Almeida goes on the front. Lead out time. Starts to lead out. Plap then attacks the Almeida lead out. And he's closed by, I think, Micah or Pagacha. And then Pagacha opens up his sprint and torches everybody. As not as I would have drawn it up, but it's the same result. Because if you bring Pagacha to a group, finish like this with it a few attacks and a group of 15. He's winning it without Roglic here nine times out of 10. And he wins really, really easily with Yates second, Vlasov third. And Ruben Guerrero looked pretty good. Kind of curious how EF rode today with Guerrero there and Palace outside the top 10, but small, small time gaps here. So Pagachi Yates, Vlasov, then three seconds to Guerrero, House and Bade, Hindley, Bouchard, Hiat, Bilbao, Bouchard, top 10 Hafeet last year too on AG2R, and then a whole host of other GC contenders, Ghana and Co. In terms of GC, Pagacha goes into the lead two seconds ahead of Ghana. Italy not happy with Lucas Plapp, I don't think. Vlasov, 13 seconds behind. Yates on 15 seconds. Palace on 23, then Almeida. Bilbao, Oscar Rodriguez, Guerrero, Bouchard. Uh, but before we get into discussing GC Ghana, whether any of us should focus on that and what else we saw or could take away from this stage, word on our show partner, Zwift. One of the great things about Zwift is the community aspect to it and the way we've been able to engage with the community every Tuesday evening on the LRCP Zwift group rides. It was great to have so many of you again last night for all the chat and on the Discord Q&A. Next group ride will be Tuesday. Again, keep an eye out on our Twitter account and on Instagram for details. But in the meantime, head to Zwift.com for your free seven-day trial. Yeah, UAE Benji, Almeida. First thing, first time we've seen him and Bennett riding in the train for Pagacha. What you expected or slightly different? Hmm, I think that I expected similar form. I didn't expect him to be uh, working that early because I said it at some point he was working in the group that Pogaccia was in to try and somewhat keep tempo and chase down the group that Micah was in. Uh, without that happening and without him moving to the front at a certain point as well to keep some tempo again a bit later, 
he might have looked less in trouble. But the last three kilometers, he didn't seem like he was uh, in the top five riders when it comes to energy of that group for certain. So perhaps I was expecting a little bit more. Perhaps we need to see what he does on a uh, more selective climb first before we can judge. Because uh, I don't know. I don't really know what to expect from this. It's only his first mountain of the year. And next to that, I um, uh, we've seen some performances last year in the UAE Tour where three weeks later, riders were performing very differently. So <laughs> therefore, exactly. I'm not putting this up the up the status of every rider for now. So for now, uh, I'd say that Dumoulin is the one I was least uh, happy with. Yeah, he got dropped very early out of a large group with Ghana still there. So that was pretty surprising. He was good in the TT yesterday, so his 10-minute power must have been pretty good. But obviously struggled. I didn't expect him to get dropped on Jais, i got to say. Uh, I was surprised by that. And when you look at... Hirsch and Tarame, who've done altitude camps, they're looking a lot better. But, yeah, I think I'm not surprised by Almeida doing the last 500-meter lead-out. That makes a lot of sense. Pikachu beat him in the TT. Uh, but, yeah, the Micah, surprising what was happening with Micah. Did you think that Jai's being before her feet actually made the stage better? Because this was more exciting than Jabel Jais last year. I think it's certain... Well, it depends. On one end, if Jabel Jais is after Jabel Hafid, it will on paper encourage people who are behind on Jabel Hafid to still try something. But the problem is that on Jabel Hafid, the gaps are going to be that large that you can't really fix that on Jais. So then people are just giving up in that sense. But... What I find good of the UAE Tour this year is that we've got it, Jabal Jais first, because then Jabal Hafid will be more exciting. We'll see crazier attacks because it's the final stage. People will go all out. There's nothing after that. So I think we will see the biggest difference in that on Jabal Hafid itself, even though that was already quite exciting. But the thing is, like, every race with Pogacar, he goes early on multiple stages and not necessarily, like, not necessarily it has to be the last one. He's not the kind of rider that says, oh, next week is the biggest stage, so I won't attack today. He's the kind of guy that says, oh, let's try and get a bit of a gap today because might as well get it early. And that's what makes it exciting. And yeah, sure, he did it by having his team do stuff today, but they certainly made it more uh, selective than I perhaps would have expected it to be. It's definitely more entertaining. I definitely didn't expect to have GC groups strung across the road, GC riders closing their own gaps with five, six Ks to go on Jabal Jace. We didn't see that last year, and we still didn't get huge gaps to the main guys. But, yeah, it just increased the stakes a little bit for both the stage win and, yeah, riders trying. Like maybe yeah. Intermarche wouldn't have tried if they if he wasn't there or they'd be defending if he was in third or fourth on GC, whereas they tried today. But uh, about the gaps, like, there's one thing I found weird is that Pogacar, Yates, and Vlasov are the three riders crossing the line, and then the gap is counted between Vlasov and Guerrero to be three seconds. The gap is counted from Vlasov to Guerrero, right? Not from Pogacar to Guerrero. And if I count that myself with my stopwatch, it's 1.6 seconds and not three seconds. So, uh... I think, well, sure, Gannel still wouldn't have the jersey. He would have lost it by half a second, but it's a bit weird how that gap was counted personally. And, like, are gaps of 1.6 seconds counted? Uh, on a mountain, one second is, yes. Okay. On yeah. sprint stages, I think it has to be three seconds, but I'm not okay, an expert so on it. Okay, so today it wouldn't have mattered. Uh, Gannel would still lose the jersey if the gap was counted 
correctly. But anyway, it was uh, definitely an entertaining stage. Are there riders that were in that front group? Like, let's talk about Luke Platt, because he deserves to be spoken about, right? They have him in the ITT with a road bike because of those technical issues that he had, the crash before in the training and so forth, not having a reserve bike for him. And today he rides such a good stage. He could have been a co-leader at this point. Ah, uh, feet. No, it's yeah. a feet. It's, it's, this is a time trialist climb. It's And I looked at, like, I, I wasn't surprised. I actually had a fair bit of money on Damien House, and I won't be embarrassed to admit, and, and uh, a couple of others, because this is very similar to some climbs in Harold Sun Tour, like 20Ks, 5%. <laughs> where he's done really well or the hungry climb where he's won at hungry um there's a long climb similar to this like 20k is five percent and the draft is so important and i think he was australians often start the season sometimes quite in quite good shape so no we replap your question on that i think it's it's just a time trials climb and the group's okay. still so large her feet i expect to be a different kettle of fish okay understandable now, we've seen like a rider that I haven't seen on this climb at all. And it's a rider I would have expected to do GC here. And then he lost a minute on the time trial already, which I didn't expect. You know, Mater. Yeah, that was weird. And Bill Bow got into the group with uh, Pagacha and Vlasov and Plapp and Yates. Mater had been at the back of the group before. And then Mader started chasing down the Bilbao group. And Bilbao's ahead of him on GC. Yeah. That was very, very odd. Do you, I don't know, her feet should suit him more, but do you think he's better on repeated efforts than like a one, just a one climbing stage? Based on what he's done so far, I just think he's not in the form that he needs to be yet because he shouldn't be getting one minute down on a, on a time trial of nine kilometers, he shouldn't be getting this result that he had today. On paper, he can do better on a climb like this. This climb honestly suits him as that kind of through the Swiss steady climb, longer climb. It's the steeper ones that I sometimes worry more for Gino Maiden. And now we're going to see on Jabal Hafid if he can get a better result and if he can show himself. But for now, he hasn't shown anything this year. So let's hope he can find that before he saw the Tour de France because I was kind of rooting for him as a potential top five candidate. But Obviously, the UAE Tour is not indicative of the form of the Tour de France yet. Yeah, he lost nine seconds. That's kind of surprising. Uh, he dropped, like, he got beaten by Carlos Verona, was in the group with uh, yeah. Bardet and Guerrero and, and Micah, three seconds behind. So, yeah, surprising. And I think the Bahrain TT setup, Benji's horrific. Like, Jonathan Milan's really good on the track. JPP must have done incredible power to come top 10 in the TT yesterday. Bill Bowles' TT has gone, he used to be quite good. It's awful yep. now. Like, I think the Bahrain setup is is no good. But GC Ghana Benji, he's finished in this group three seconds behind Pagacha on 18K, 19K, 5% climb. I expected it. Really? I had a bet <laughs> on him for the stage. <laughs> Uh, hey, you came pretty close, all right? <laughs> yeah, Quintana, chasing Quintana, his numbers were really good, and then he got disqualified. Yeah. If the what tempo stage was, race could uh, he win? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. What stage race can Gana win? And Harry Nice. 
Yeah. He could. He could win Paranese if Roglic and Pogacar don't go, and then he's in right, the Okay, leader. wow. <laughs> well, if the competition doesn't go, he can win. <laughs> Jacqueline won it twice. Yeah, that's true. You think he can gain enough time on a time trial in Bologna to be able to stay within reach on those steeper finishes and therefore win GC at Bologna? Probably. There's so many punchy finishes. The reason I like Paranese is because he's got two options to gain time, Mm -hmm. crosswinds and the TT. Uh, And he was good in the crosswinds in Provence. So, yeah, Paranese. Benelux to a no. I don't think so. Yeah. Ah, what other races fit on that standard? <laughs> like back in the day, we would have said, oh, the man should go for a couple races and try Bing Bang Tour. I think he's riding Paris or Bay this year as well. But I uh, heard him on a podcast recently, and I can't actually remember which podcast, but um, he was talking that he, he doesn't seem very confident with his cobble abilities. So therefore, I'm like, okay, well, me neither then. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a thing where we don't know what he can do in the future on those races but he's definitely expanding his field becoming more versatile and therefore uh the giro commentators in italy will probably say that he should go for gc next year at the giro yeah well they'll go from 15 k's of tt to 150 kilometers <laughs> of flat top trying this year next year with no mountaintop finish doesn't Torreno have like no mountaintop finish but yeah apparently uh, i think the one uh, Tireno has a, a double Carpeña climb, I think 8k at 10%, really st- properly steep. So Pogacar okay. will be uh, dominating that race, probably. Yeah, or Remco. Uh, that's Remco v. Pogacar. Anyway, gotten off topic here. UAE Tour. Tomorrow we've got a sprint again before Jebel Hafeet on the Friday. It's, uh, where is it? Finishing in the Almajan Island. They did the same sprint last year, 182k's. It's a little bit, there's some straight lines. Maybe there'll be crosswinds. Maybe someone will get benched out of bed again. I won't be watching until the last 5Ks, and I suggest you don't either. And who have you got, Benji? Because Cav crashed earlier in this stage. I think Philipson wins again. Hmm, it's possible. I am going to go for a... Ah, I will say Bennett. Bennett, okay. I'm going Philipson, Gronovec, and... Cavendish, one, two, three. Thanks for listening, as always, to the Lantern Recycling Podcast. We'll be back with Stage 4 Recap tomorrow before her feet on Friday. Thanks as well for supporting the podcast. Ciao.